the language of Kabbalah and how it helps us in our lives. This podcast is dedicated Liloy Nishmat Feiga Batshmuel Vivka for the elevation of the soul of Feiga, the daughter of Shmuel and Vivka. Does the Torah speak to us in our language, the language of ordinary people? And the answer to this question is yes and no. Our physical world is made up of elements that interact with each other in time and space, and our ordinary, everyday spoken language reflects the way we perceive this world through our senses and our intellect. But the discussion of the sages of the Kabbalah isn't centred on this physical world. It's centred on the ways that God reveals himself to us. It's also on the awareness we have of him and that which we call our consciousness. This is the subject matter of the Kabbalah. The Torah itself is the divine wisdom of, of God imparted to human beings through Moses on Mount Sinai and it has different aspects to its revelation. These are called the Peshat, which is the revealed Torah, or the written Torah, and this is what we read in our Tanakh, in our Bible, or in Shul, every week on Shabbat. It has the Oral Law, which is the Torah Shabbat pair, and this is to be found in the oral traditions of the Talmud, the Midrash, the Responsa, and the Kabbalah. Each of these aspects does, in fact, have its own distinct language. Of them all, the easiest to understand and the most ancient is the written Torah. Rabbi Ashlag tells us that by tradition, this is the language that Adam spoke in the Garden of Eden. The Talmud and the Midrash each have their own specific languages and if we truly want to understand what they're saying, we have to learn the way they say it. This isn't any different really than learning a particular discipline, whether it's in the arts or the sciences, in economics or politics. If we want to be able to express ourselves so that others will be able to understand the precise nuances of what we're trying to say, we have to use the specific language that relates to the subject. In the same way, the Kabbalah has its own specific language because it also deals with a specific area of life. What does the Kabbalah deal with? The Kabbalah examines how God reveals himself to us in the words and the events which are described in the Torah. In the revealed Torah, which we find in the Tanakh, we see the actual events. We see what actually a person can see. But we don't understand, except rarely, why those events happen the way they do. It's through the Kabbalah that we learn their inner meanings, their intentions, the intentions of God and the intentions of our forefathers who took part in these significant events. Through the teaching of the sages of the Kabbalah, but particularly that of the Holy Ari, 
we learn that the different levels of our awareness of God accord with different worlds of consciousness. And these levels of consciousness we refer to as the higher spiritual worlds. The worlds are arranged according to how closely they align with God's nature, which is that of unconditional giving. The higher the world, the more unconditionally giving it is. These are worlds of consciousness. When we're in a consciousness of receiving, we're in a lower spiritual world. The sages tell us that the spiritual worlds are created one from another like an impression is created from a rubber stamp, such that every element in a lower spiritual world has its corresponding component in a higher one. In exactly the same way, our physical world may be seen as an impression that it's taken from a rubber stamp formed by the spiritual world above it. And thus everything that exists within the physical world, whether it's discerned by our senses or even created by imagination, has its roots within these higher spiritual worlds. Indeed, every element of this physical world is a branch that stems from a root which is in a higher spiritual world. The sages of the Kabbalah and of the Talmud could clearly see the relationship between the elements in the physical world and how they relate to their roots that are higher up. This fact provides the basic principle which is used in the language of the Kabbalah. By pointing to a specific element that actually pertains to what we can see or feel in this world, but they're actually intending the spiritual root from which it derives, the sages of the Kabbalah found a ready-made language with which they could describe the realities of consciousness they perceived, and they could use this language to pass on their understanding from generation to generation. So what do we find? We find that the language of the Kabbalah, which is called the language of the branches, is actually made up of the same words that comprise our ordinary, everyday language, but it uses these same words differently. The language of the Kabbalah doesn't refer to the way elements appear to us in the reality of this world, but it's actually referring to their spiritual roots. So words or phrases that we read in the books of the Kabbalah, and particularly this applies to the Zohar, and these conjure up within us images of this world, but they are in fact describing specific elements that relate to awareness of God. In fact, the images evoked that we evoke inside of ourselves that of the physical aspects often mislead us because we're mistakenly attributing meanings that pertain to the physical world to material that really relates to a completely different realm of consciousness. Now, all this is important because throughout the centuries, this has been the greatest source of error regarding the works of the Kabbalah. Our great sages, who've been able to perceive the spiritual worlds directly, have had a living connection with the Kabbalah and been spiritually nourished by its truths. But for the ordinary person who lacks such direct perception, the language of the Kabbalah proved to be an insurmountable barrier. It was Rabbi Ashlag who first opened up the code to this language in his seminal work on the Kabbalah of the Ari, the Talmud Esos Rirod, and in fact wrote more than one dictionary on the language of the Kabbalah. 
As we learn the Kabbalah, we find its language embedded in all texts, including the written Torah, the prayer book, the Haggadah, the Talmud, and all aspects of the oral law. As our proficiency with this language grows, texts from all these sources reveal to us new and deeper meanings. One of the features of this language of the branches is that each branch relates only to one root and not to any other. In other words, one element that we, that we are understanding in this physical world relates only to one root in the spiritual worlds and nothing else. Not only that, you can't exchange one for another. And this leads to many circumstances in which the material we're learning seems to us disturbing in a human sense. Now, a very common example is the whole issue of the term male and female. Now, the term male in the language of the branches actually means the aspect of giving. And so therefore, when God is referred to as a he in the Torah, it doesn't mean he's a male, God forbid. It doesn't mean he's a female. God has no gender. Of his essence, we know nothing at all. The referral to God as a he simply implies that we are receiving his light as emanating in the aspect of giving. Likewise, the term female, when used in the Torah, should be translated as the aspect of receiving, and then God's light is then termed the Shekhinah. When we understand this correctly, we no longer consider such Kabbalah texts, or our liturgy, or the Torah, as sexist or patriarchal, because it's not what they mean. It's important for us to remember that whenever we come across passages in the Zohar or in other Kabbalah texts that seem disturbing to us, we need first of all to translate them from the language of the branches into our spoken language, and only then can we see what they're saying. And this is because our habitual use of the words gives rise to misleading images within us. Another feature that we find in the language of the Kabbalah is its very succinct nature. We often find one short phrase being used to describe a whole state of consciousness. And the sage, when using that phrase, expects the reader to summon up within himself a whole appreciation of a specific spiritual state, which the sage is then going to discuss within a particular context. An example of such a phrase is affinity of form. This refers to a situation in which two people or two spiritual entities share the same desire. It brings them to court or unity with each other. This phrase is most frequently used within the context of our relationship with God. The sages of the Kabbalah teach us that the Creator is good and his only desire is to give good unconditionally. When we're able to have the same desire of giving unconditionally, we are said to be in affinity of form with the Creator. Understanding the full meaning of such phrases that abound in the Kabbalah requires a patient, step-by-step -step building 
of our own understanding of these texts, together with our inner work, as we slowly integrate these teachings into our lives. But I find personally that learning the language of the Kabbalah doesn't help me only to learn texts and gain understandings of ancient wisdoms. It gives me a language which is clear and accurate through which I can describe feelings, their causes and their processes. It's a way to look at states within our own consciousness which are not clear to us or which trouble us. It's a language of intention, of inner intention. And by using this language, we find we're able to describe states of consciousness which occur within us. And we have a tool ready to hand with which we can deal with these states, with which we can get help more easily as they no longer remain hazy, unformed or unnamed. All of us, through discovering the language of Kabbalah, an accurate and complete way of looking at processes within ourselves can open for ourselves new pathways of healing and new channels of growth and be able to fulfill the true purpose for which we were put on this earth. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. The content of it has been taken from the forthcoming book, The Master of the Ladder, which is a biography of Rabbi Hudelev Ashlag, first brought out in Hebrew by Avraham Mordechai Gottlieb, and which I've translated myself, Yedida Cohen, and which will be coming out in the forthcoming year with the help of God. Look out for it, published by Nahora Press. Thank you.